section fifty seven of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world's story volume twelve the united states edited by eva march tappan section fifty seven the capture of deerfield footnote from a half century of conflict copyright u s a eighteen ninety two by little brown and company in the footnote seventeen o four by francis parkman the following event took place during what was known as queen anne's war deerfield was a little village of some three hundred inhabitants situated on what was then the northwestern frontier of massachusetts the attack upon it by french and indians was planned by the governor of canada and served no military purpose the editor as the afternoon waned the sights and sounds of the little border hamlet were no doubt like those of any other rustic new england village at the end of a winter day an ox sledge creaking on the frosty snow as it brought in the last load of firewood boys in home spun snowballing each other in the village street farmers feeding their horses and cattle in the barns a matron drawing a pail of water with the help of one of those long well sweeps still used in some remote districts or a girl bringing a pail of milk from the cowshed in the houses where one room served as kitchen dining-room and parlour the housewife cooked the evening meal children sat at their bowls of mush and milk and the men of the family their day's work over gathered about the fire while perhaps some village coquette sat in the corner with fingers busy at the spinning wheel and ears intent on the stammered wooings of her rustic lover deerfield kept early hours and it is likely that by nine o'clock all were in their beds there was a patrol inside the palisade but there was little discipline among these extemporized soldiers the watchers grew careless as the frosty night went on and it is said that towards morning they like the villagers betook themselves to their beds rouville and his men savage with hunger lay shivering under the pines till about two hours before dawn then leaving their packs and their snowshoes behind they moved cautiously towards their prey there was a crust on the snow strong enough to bear their weight though not to prevent a rustling noise as it crunched under the feet of so many men it is said that from time to time rouville commanded a halt in order that the sentinels as such there were might mistake the distant sound for rising and falling gusts of wind in any case no alarm was given till they had mounted the palisade and dropped silently into the unconscious village then with one accord they screeched the war-whoop and assailed the doors of the houses with axes and hatchets the hideous din startled the minister williams from his sleep half wakened he sprang out of bed and saw dimly a crowd of savages bursting through the shattered door he shouted to two soldiers who were lodged in the house and then with more valour than discretion snatched a pistol that hung at the head of the bed cocked it and snapped it at the breast of the foremost indian who proved to be a cognawaga chief it misfire or williams would and no doubt have been killed on the spot amid the screams of his terrified children three of the party seized him and bound him fast for they came well provided with cords since prisoners had a market value nevertheless in the first fury of their attack they dragged to the door and murdered two of the children and a negro woman called parthena who was probably their nurse in an upper room lodged a young man named stoddard who had time to snatch a cloak throw himself out of the window climb the palisade and escape in the darkness half naked as he was he made his way over the snow to hatfield binding his bare feet with strips torn from the cloak 
they kept william shivering in his shirt for an hour while a frightful uproar of yells shrieks and gunshots sounded from without at length they permitted him his wife and five remaining children to dress themselves meanwhile the indians and their allies burst into most of the houses killed such of the men as resisted butchered some of the women and children and seized and bound the rest some of the villagers escaped in the confusion like stoddard and either fled half dead with cold towards hatfield or sought refuge in the fortified house of jonathan wells the house of stebbins the minister's next neighbour had not been attacked so soon as the rest and the inmates had a little time for preparation they consisted of stebbins himself with his wife and five children david hoyt joseph catlin benjamin church a namesake of the old indian fighter of philip's war and three other men probably refugees who had brought their wives and families within the palisaded enclosure for safety thus the house contained seven men four or five women and a considerable number of children though the walls were bullet-proof it was not built for defence the men however were well supplied with guns powder and lead and they seemed to have found some means of barricading the windows when the enemy tried to break in they drove them back with loss on this the french and indians gathered in great numbers before the house showered bullets upon it and tried to set it on fire they were again repulsed with of the loss of several killed and wounded among the former a cognawaga chief and among the latter a french officer still the firing continued if the assailants had made a resolute assault the defenders must have been overpowered but to risk lives in open attack was contrary to every maxim of forest warfare the women in the house behaved with great courage and moulded bullets which the men shot at the enemy stebbins was killed outright and church was wounded as was also the wife of david hoyt at length most of the french and indians disgusted with the obstinacy of the defence turned their attention to other quarters though some kept up their fire under cover of the meeting-house and another building within easy range of gunshot this building was the house of one ensign john sheldon the indians had had some difficulty in mastering it for the door being a thick oak plank studded with nails of wrought iron and well barred they could not break it open after a time however they hacked a hole in it through which they fired and killed mrs sheldon as she sat on the edge of a bed in a lower room her husband a man of great resolution seems to have been absent their son john with hannah his wife jumped from an upper chamber window the young woman sprained her ankle in the fall and lay helpless but begged her husband to run to hatfield for aid which he did while she remained a prisoner the indians soon got in at a back door seized marcy sheldon a little girl of two years and dashed out her brains on the door-stone her two brothers and her sister mary a girl of sixteen were captured the house was used for a short time as a depot for prisoners and here also was brought the french officer wounded in the attack on the stebbins house a family tradition relates that as he lay in great torment he begged for water and that it was brought him by one of the prisoners mrs john catlin whose husband son and infant grandson had been killed and who nevertheless did all in her power to relieve the sufferings of the wounded man probably it was in recognition of this charity that when the other prisoners were led away mrs catlin was left behind she died of grief a few weeks later the sun was scarce an hour high when the miserable drove of captives was conducted across the river to the foot of a mountain or high hill williams and his family were soon compelled to follow and his house was set on fire 
as they led him off he saw that other houses inside the palisade were burning and that all were in the power of the enemy except his neighbour stebbins where the gallant defenders still kept their assailants at bay having collected all their prisoners the main body of the french and indians began to withdraw towards the pine forest where they had left their packs and snowshoes and to prepare for a retreat before the country should be roused first murdering in cold blood mara carter a little girl of five years whom they probably thought unequal to the march several parties however still lingered in the village firing on the stebbins house killing cattle hogs and sheep and gathering such plunder as the place afforded early in the attack and while it was yet dark the light of burning houses reflected from the fields of snow had been seen at hatfield hadley and northampton the alarm was sounded through the slumbering hamlets and parties of men mounted on farm horses with saddles or without hastened to the rescue not doubting that the fires were kindled by indians when the sun was about two hours high between thirty and forty of them were gathered at the fortified house of jonathan wells at the southern end of the village the houses of this neighbourhood were still standing and seemed not to have been attacked the stubborn defence of the stebbins house having apparently prevented the enemy from pushing much beyond the palisaded enclosure the house of wells was full of refugee families a few deerfield men here joined the horsemen from the lower towns as also did four or five of the yeoman soldiers who had escaped the fate of most of their comrades the horsemen left their horses within wells's fence he himself took the lead and the whole party rushed in together at the southern gate of the palisaded enclosure drove out the plunderers and retook a part of their plunder the assailants of the stebbins house after firing at it for three hours were put to flight and those of its male occupants who were still alive joined their countrymen while the women and children ran back for harbourage to the house of wells wells and his men now upwards of fifty drove the flying enemy more than a mile across the river meadows and ran in headlong pursuit over the crusted snow killing a considerable number in the eagerness of the chase many threw off their overcoats and even their jackets wells saw the danger and vainly called on them to stop their blood was up and most of them were young and inexperienced meanwhile the firing at the village had been heard by rouville's main body who had already begun their retreat northward they turned back to support their comrades and hid themselves under the bank of the river till the pursuers drew near when they gave them a close volley and rushed upon them with the war-whoop some of the english were shot down and the rest driven back there was no panic we retreated says wells facing about and firing when they reached the palisade they made a final stand covering by their fire such of their comrades as had fallen within range of musket shot and saving them from the scalping knife the french did not try to dislodge them nine of them were killed several wounded and one captured the number of english carried off prisoners was one hundred and eleven and the number killed was according to one list forty-seven and according to another fifty-three the latter including some who were smothered in the cellars of their burning houses the names and in most cases the ages of both captives and slain are preserved those who escaped with life and freedom were by the best account one hundred and thirty-seven an official tabular statement drawn up on the spot sets the number of houses burned at seventeen the house of the town clerk thomas french escaped and the town records with other papers in his charge were saved the meeting-house also was left standing the house of sheldon was hastily set on fire by the french and indians when their rear was driven out of the village by wells 
and his men but the fire was extinguished and the old indian house as it was called stood till the year eighteen forty nine its door deeply scarred with hatchets and with a hole cut near the middle is still preserved in the memorial hall at deerfield Padrilla wrote to the minister pontchartrain that the french lost two or three killed and twenty or twenty-one wounded rouville himself being among the latter this cannot include the indians since there is proof that the enemy left behind a considerable number of their dead wherever resistance was possible it had been of the most prompt and determined character long before noon the french and indians were on their northward march with their train of captives more armed men came up from the settlements below and by midnight about eighty were gathered at the ruined village couriers had been sent to rouse the country and before evening of march one the force at deerfield was increased to two hundred and fifty but a thaw and a warm rain had set in and as few of the men had snowshoes pursuit was out of the question even could the agile savages and their allies have been overtaken the probable consequence would have been the murdering of the captives to prevent their escape about half of the captives were finally after terrible sufferings ransomed or exchanged and succeeded in returning to their homes seventeen of the weaker ones were killed by their captors on the journey end of section fifty seven this recording is in the public domain